Imagine the temptation of walking the cute, car-free streets in Parma and passing table after table where Italians and tourists alike are sampling various types of prosciutto and cheeses arranged so artfully on wooden boards. That was the situation Tommaso found himself in on our too short of a two-day stay in Parma. Yet, of course, he gave in to the temptation. Of course I did. What's not to like about that? <laughs> What's not to love about that? <laughs> Benvenuto a Kimberly's Italy, a podcast about our love of all things Italian. Mi chiamo Kimberly Holcomb. E tu? Mi chiamo Tommaso Favoloso. Il Favoloso. Il Favoloso. You're, you're, no, not whatever. <laughs> One more time. Tommaso Il Favoloso. Tommaso Il Favoloso. Bravo! Bravo. <laughs> My cousin sent me a text the other day and said, say hi to Thomas Il Fantastico. I'm like, what? It's Il Favoloso. <laughs> and he wrote back a little smiley, laughy face. Allora, a quick thank you to those that did inquire this past week regarding their upcoming trips to Bellitalia. It is truly never, ever too early to start planning a trip to Italy because the earlier you start, the more options I can send you for accommodations in your price range and they're the types that just suck you in instantly. The types of places you've always dreamed of staying. But they go first. Hence, my constant reminders to all of you. I almost used the word nagging instead. What do you think, Tommaso? <laughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> I'm no <laughs> nagger. <laughs> Eyes rolling here. <laughs> We're getting too personal. <laughs> Okay. Also, please rate and review our podcast on Apple or Spotify, which allows other listeners and lovers of all things Italian like yourselves to help find us. And are you going to throw in the normal? And please follow Kimberly's Italy on Instagram. I was in the middle of having a drink one, so I'll let I'll let you take that on that responsibility for the show. <laughs> He's having a sip of water. It's midday. It's midday. And it's snowing. Yes. Well, that's kind of, it was super exciting. We were going to get maybe 10 inches and looks like it's kind of tapering off. So we're a little. I'm having a belt of mandarin seltzer. <laughs> Alora, we left you on last week's episode as we were about to go to dinner on our first night in Parma. We didn't have a place in mind particularly, even though we had done a bit of research, of course, because we were in the mood to just go with our gut or Tommaso's ham gut, shall I say? <laughs> I mean, you're in you're, you're in like the Vatican of ham. <laughs> so you've got to look around. And in the end, we went back and forth between two places that were somewhere close to one another. And La Capa made the final decision on its decor. And in fact, because the menu, I know, had a few non-meat options. Yes, which was... Nice. Which was required. Well, yeah. No, I, I have I have totally like given over that you can have your meat bomb meal and I find something, but this particular place did have more options than not. Okay. Right? Fair enough. And to be honest, I did judge a book by its cover and I chose this place over the other one due to its like 
kind of, it had like a low-key ambience, looked really nice inside, but it was the tiled floor. I was like, oh, look at that. So, you know, kind of superficial, but that's, <laughs> that's what I did. Design-oriented is not superficial. Correct, especially in Italy. Exactly. We saw the main dining area, which was packed with Italians, so obviously that's also a good sign. And they had one table left, but it was in another room adjacent to the main dining area. And the funniest part is that in this little room where we were seated is where all the meats were cut. And you didn't even cringe the whole time. No, I was trying to be cool. But this little room had the legs of the ham hanging above. They had all those very famous meat slicers, which, by the way... Meat slicers to Italians are almost as prized as their espresso machines. And the creme de la creme of these meat slicers is the Burkle brand, which I remember from my days in Milano. And you cannot miss them because they're bright red enamel color. And then the name is in that deep yellow and their little swirly looks like hand-painted designs also in the yellow incredible i mean they are the ferrari of of slicing machines good analogy you know and and they take this seriously this isn't just like someone who you know gets a part-time job for a couple years slicing at the local grocery store right these are people who probably you know know the machine their father or their uncle used that machine now they're doing it and it is a highly regarded profession it is you know maybe the Burkle Company made the slicers in the same red as Ferrari. You never know. Interessante, right? <laughs> well, we went into that. We were seated in that little room. And, you know, it's ironic. I don't eat meat. I don't even like to look at animal parts. So I turned my back to all of that. I took the seat facing out and Tommaso sat opposite me. And he just started watching (laughs) all the action and the meat slicing and getting this piece because they had a lot of different cuts and pieces on that counter behind me. And Mm -hmm. you were enthralled. We barely spoke for the first (laughs) first 20 minutes. You were happy as a, well, you know that expression, happy as a pig in in Merida. In Merida. But, you know, (laughs) the the fact is you're looking at this and everything to to this my amateur eye looks the same, but the different cuts, mm-hmm. prosciutto crudo, and, and all that stuff looks so different to them. They can tell the difference in a heartbeat. Right. And that's why they, I Whereas think Whereas I they need had, a microscope. They had them all lined up. Yes. Just like, okay, now this table wants a tasting board of that kind of crudo or cotto or whatever. We also started with a tasting board, prosciutto for Tommaso, obviously, and a cheese tasting, which had both a 24 and 36 month Parmigiano, and then a Vacche Rosse cheese, which comes from a historic breed of red cattle. That's what Vacche Rosse means. And this cheese from the red cows is aged even longer than Parmigiano. And I found it so cute. They have these little handwritten paper signs on a toothpick, like a little thin piece of white cardboard. They glue it to the toothpick. They jam the toothpick into each chunk of cheese to show you what it is. And then... Well, not each chunk, but each section. Each grouping. Yes. How's that? And then it was only served with a few walnuts, which was different, and a little 
jar of red jam, which I did not try, and then homemade pane, homemade bread, of course. And we also ordered a bottle of Rosso di Parma because we always prefer to drink a regional wine wherever we are. I thought that combination of this red wine with Parmigiano, delicious bread, and prosciutto for you-know-who was just perfecto. And you-know-who had a great had a great meal. <laughs> but while it kept going, then we split a pasta dish because we knew we were going to share a tiramisu that night. We cannot order it every single day because we would be un po' grassi. You can figure out what that means if we ate tiramisu every day. Can we go back for a second on the 24 and 36 month? I think we both agreed that we like the 24 month. We did. And when we went to Asilo Maria to take some things home to stuff in our bag, right? Um, the, the nice thing is if you have Global Pass in America, you, they just sort of wave you right through and they're not looking for the cheese in your bag. <laughs> so that's what we did. That's uh, but, right. But we got two huge chunks of 24 months because mm-hmm. we liked it better. We preferred it. Mm-hmm. Yep, we did. Absolutely. And can I go back to the tiramisu now? Oh, You please. went from tiramisu to parmigiano. Now back to the tiramisu. My taste buds are dancing all over the oh, place. It was the absolute best we had had not even in that trip but in a very long time and to be honest when it was served oh remember we had that new waitress and she was nervous and so she had someone kind of helping her he came over and um served the tiramisu and we're like grazie and we looked at her like hmm looks kind of blah it was just a little glass jar like like a jar that jam would come in, but without the top. Right. And two spoons stuck in it. And we thought, oh, well. And then we each took a bite. Holy heart attack, Batman. <laughs> it was just like da so rich. It was delicious. I mean, it was and like you, frosting. It was so ew, good. Ew, I hate Well, no, frosting. okay. That's the, I, I, wrong word to use, but it was so just... The texture was unlike any other texture I've had. They're usually a little bit lighter. This was more custardy. It was delicious. It was amazing. Oh, it was perfect. And we will never forget tiramisu in Parma. So after that delicious dinner, we walked through the other little streets with those attractive street lights that we mentioned. And I actually put some photos up on Instagram that show just that. And Tommaso and I were just chatting about our opinion of Parma from day one. Again, it was his first time, so it was his first experience, and I wanted to hear his take. And I have been several times to Parma, but not in at least six, seven years, maybe 10. Anyway, the only negative thing we could think of was that the outskirts of Parma were not that attractive. We drove through them to get to our hotel. But it's like a lot of Italian cities... Or, actually, I should say, it's like a, cities all over the world, actually. Right. The right. But, but it was, outskirts are ugly, industrial. The, the outskirts were, they weren't, I won't say they were ugly, they just weren't attractive. We found a nice hotel with parking on site, which was nice to park right down below. And it was, you know, perfectly adequate room, modern, everything else. But it was within walking distance right. of the of this Centro Storico, and it was easy to get there. It was. It wasn't a hardship at all. No, no, no. We mentioned this last 
week's episode, yeah. but it's fine to repeat it. But the brilliance, in my opinion, of Italy's commitment to maintain their centro storico, just, it gives you a little slack. We give them slack for having somewhat unattractive outskirts, but we have them as well. And not everything can be beautiful. Hey, New Rochelle. I mean, it ain't beautiful outside of New York City. New Rochelle is a lot nicer than like going north <laughs> out of Boston on that tacky road. Okay, let's not get into all of our ugly outskirts because <laughs> we could be here for 10 days. Okay, let's get back. Let's be serious. Let's get off Route 1 North. Yes. The next morning, we took off for the Complesso Monumentale della Pilota that we mentioned in last week's episode. But first, I want to share that a listener named Michelle sent me a message about what we mentioned, the elevated platform of water with the trees. She told me that she and her husband, who had been there only three days before us, I she made note that they had a tour on October 15th. We were there. We arrived there on the 18th or something. So she told me that they had a tour of Parma, and the guide explained that the trees planted in the raised water platform, that whole area, is called Piazza della Pace, which simply means Piazza of Peace. And it is dedicated to the Italian resistance fighters from World War II. The raised platform, filled with water, mimics the exact footprint of a church that had stood in that location before. And that church is called Chiesa di San Pietro. It had been demolished before World War II, but when they rebuilt after the war, they designed this Piazza della Pace with the elevated platform to mimic the outline of the church. And then those trees that we spoke about with like vertical branches, they represent the pillars that supported that church. And I think you can find or you can learn historical and interesting facts from a guide, if you have a good guide, and it makes your experience so much richer. And I really appreciated hearing this from this woman, Michelle, because we didn't know about it. But yet I mentioned in last week's episode, and then we saw this interesting combination of water and trees, and, you know, it stood out to us, but we didn't know the story behind it, yet now we knew. So, grazie mille, Michelle, right? All right, back to our visit to Piazza della Pilota. We knew we wouldn't be able to spend tons of time as we had wanted to because we only had this one last day. So we knew we had to go at least to get our library fix. We walked there. We bought our tickets from the ticket office, 18 euro each. What a deal. And we walked directly to the Maria Luigia reading room. And here's another quick little history hit for those of you who don't know who Maria Luigi was. Well, she was none other than our friend Napo's second wife, <laughs> Napoleone Bonaparte. She was the daughter of the Emperor of Austria and married Napo at the ripe age of 19. They had one son, and she became the Duchess of Parma in 1814 some people say 1816, so she was either 23 or 25. And she remained the Duchess until her death in 1847. Yet I think she moved around a bit after Napo's exile. 
It's called hiding. Right. Apparently, she did some very good things for Parma and its citizens, so she seems to have a very high standing in history. Therefore, you will see her name on a four-star hotel in Parma, and even, Tommaso, you'll love this, even dried cure ham from the Devaudier family who named this famous dried cure ham after her. And the Devaudier family, which is obviously a French family, which I might be slaughtering the pronunciation. However, they had several prosciutterias in Parma during her reign and served her court. And they're still in business today. Molto interessante. Wow. That's the, the website is actually maria-luigia.com. Check it out. Okay. And it also tells you a lot of her history and this family's history. Now, back to our visit at Palazzo Pilota. For library lovers, you guys know who you are, and you know that you are fully moved by just entering a library. In our case, Tommaso and I have the same kind of excitement. When you walk into a library, to us anyway, it's the architecture the visual of all the books and how they're lined up, and then where the tables and chairs are placed within this space, the quiet, and then the knowledge that there are so many books that you can be sucked into, even if they're not in your own language. Well, the beauty of a lot of those books is the binding. Yes. And when you open it, the illustrations and the fonts, and they're just so different than they are today. I mean, it is... You know, the other day when I was in Boston, I stopped in the BPL just to go into Boston Public Library, the BPL, the Boston Public Library, just to go into Bates Hall. Because right. every time I go into a library of that caliber, mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm lucky to be alive. Exactly. So for those of you that do not have the same affection for libraries, I hope we aren't boring you. But if you think you might be open to becoming a library lover or just give it a shot once or twice you should definitely put this one on your list. And the other one, which is close by in Bologna, is the library within the Archigenazio. And you can listen to that in our episode from last year, number 79. And that library, è la mia biblioteca favorita. Can you understand that? Uh, sort of, yes. My absolute, absolute favorite, favorite yes. library in the world. Okay. You were completely like, starstruck in there yes this reading room of maria luigia and the unbelievable teatro farnese the theater in palazzo pilota are truly worth a visit and here's the sad part i cannot share any photos from our visit because tommaso and i the night before had charged or so we thought both phones and a portable charger in in these outlets on this one wall in our hotel room overnight. But once we turned out the light, when we went to bed, those outlets turned just, off also. just didn't work. Yeah. Well, so we, who knew that we, happened? We plugged it into the lamp. And for some reason that, was, Oh, right. Okay. You know, that was turned off the lamp and pop. Yeah. So we had zero charge on any, any phone it, charger, portable thing. We're like, Whatever. It was actually quite refreshing. Well, it was, except for the fact I normally take a million photos. That's my, like, joy in life. But, to be honest, it was 
it was a freeing feeling, like you said, but it was still rather like rainy and blah. Yeah, well, it was worse than blah. (laughs) (laughs) Your delivery right there was blah. Well, it was. I mean, it was worse than blah. It was it was raining. It was really gray. So that's why I suggested we carry on with our prosciutto tour. And I promised we'd first go to the oldest patisseria in Parma for another cappuccino. You know, you have to turn that day into something magical. Exactly. And what a way to do it by basically just caressing your taste buds. <laughs> Regarding the patisseria, that this is the better pronunciation, Tommaso. You can learn. You can work on this patisseria. That is the other thing we do. We search out the oldest patisserias and or coffee bars in every single village or city that we go to. And in Parma, Patisseria Antica Pagani is still in business since 1856. It was a fine cappuccino. It wasn't earth shattering. But Tommaso, you seem to be totally in love with that Brios Chocolato. See, it was wonderful. (laughs) So, just as Tommaso mentioned, the rest of our second day in Parma was spent walking into every single salumeria, patisseria, formaggeria, prosciutteria, some bookstores, and even a few random clothing shops. Because why not? It was raining. We went in everywhere, saw everything. And, of course, I ran into a few more churches. And... As Tommaso mentioned, we bought two massive pieces of Parmigiano, which they shrink, uh, not shrink wrap, vacuum wrap. They vacuum wrapped, yes. Is that what it's called? Vacuum wrap? Yeah. Whatever. And then some prosciutto di Parma that Tommaso knew he would eat before we actually got on the plane in Milano that next night or next morning. And I have a photo of you in Malpensa Airport in Milano, before security, where they would find the prosciutto in your backpack, <laughs> you were just standing at this random counter and just looked so happy. I was not going to waste a centimeter, a square centimeter. You are very, very dedicated. Se molto dedicato. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> I'm not going to waste it. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> and the cheese, like Tommaso mentioned, we just hid it in our luggage and... That we return on October 23rd or 20th, whatever it was, 23rd, and one chunk is gone. The other we're saving for a big dinner party with all other Italian things we snuck back. Allora, we will be back next week, of course, and the week after that. We are leaving on our next trip the end of March, and we will be recording a few episodes from Lago di Garda, Bolzano in the Dolomiti, and Venezia. So, plenty of new information and suggestions for all of you coming your way in the next several months. Yes, and for someone who's a sailor, I've never been to Garda, and it's oh, right. sort of like Riva de Garda at the, the northern end underneath the Alps. is like a mecca for high-speed sailing and a lot of breeze. So, even though I won't be sailing, I'll at least get a view. And the other fabulous thing that's going to happen. We are going to see my friend Gianmarco from my days in Milano a million years ago. And we're going to go to his family's house on Lago di Garda oh, that yeah. I visited. It's it's a mid-century modern. Is that yes. Right? yes. 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 And it's been etched in my brain 
all these years. And I'm so excited to go back. Va bene tutti. And we're getting a bigger car than the Cinquecento, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and it's not even a Fiat this time. I went against the grain and I got another brand. We'll let you know how that goes. Okay. You said last time, Ferrari? (laughs) No, I said that. Anyway, grazie mille tutti e ci sentiamo. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.